Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Hello, everybody. This is the July 2022 monthly market update where I'm going to be going over some collection of news articles that I thought were relevant for investors out there. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. guys are interested in getting to know us and our community a little bit better join our group at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club there we'll be sending out uh, invites we've got a mixer in los angeles second week of july and then third week of july arizona so if you guys want to be invited to those events and not have fomo because they're at home wondering that you're the only accredited investor out there investing in real estate all by yourself, you guys can join up with those groups. Also, check out my book, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow, which you guys can access. That's a little hint by listening to these videos. You guys get the little hints here, there, which is to get the free audio version at simplepassivecashflow.com slash book. And you guys also can check out these recordings. We keep them at a simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter. So if you want to go back to all the past month's reports and see which what I'm saying and catch me if I'm lying or saying that it's a good market or bad market or not, you guys can go back to those archives. There. But first thing, I think everybody's talking about interest rates creeping up, but this kind of was a nice chart that I found where it showed like the, the points in the timeline when the Fed increased their rates quite a bit and how long of an increase was it before they backtracked and where they realized, oh, shoot, we manipulated the interest rates too high and the economy is getting crappy. We better stop doing that. So again, a lot of this, if you guys are listening in the podcast form, which that's our main channel, but we also put this up on the YouTube channel. And to make it confusing, there's actually two YouTube channels. There's the Simple Passive Cashflow channel. And then there's the Rich Uncle channel, which is more geared towards non-accredited investors out there where the accredited investors should check out more simple passive cash flow stuff. But what we're looking at here is there's been one, two, three, four times in the history, not including now, from 1990 to 2022. So the last 30 years where there's been periods where the Fed has increased rates gradually. And right now we're in a bit of an incline right now. Nobody knows how long it's going to go. But what I'm personally looking at is the unemployment going to start creeping up. Because right now, every, 
a lot of the metrics are looking really good. And I follow like ITR economics or an unbiased type of data source that I look at. And a lot of things are looking good. I don't know where a lot of people are getting this, all this doom and gloom type of stuff. And even look at the doom and gloom people, a lot of them are broke, which is why they're always just looking for excuses not to do anything. This time is unique. And the reason why they're increasing interest rates is because inflation is so high, which means if you don't do anything and just play, oh, there's doom and gloom. I'm just going to sit on my butt and not do anything and just sit on cash. You will lose nine, 10% of your money every single year. But yeah, if you, this is sort of, we want to keep this interactive folks. So if you guys have any, any questions or comments, please type it into the chat below. But uh, yeah, next article here from Wallet Hub, best and worst places to raise a family. Now I always look at these, there's so many of these types of like top 10 places and sometimes they don't mean very much. Just if you're looking to move the top 10 places, Fremont, California, Overland Park, Kansas, Irvine, California, Plano, Texas, Columbia, Maryland, San Diego, California, Seattle, Washington, San Jose, Madison, Scottsdale, Arizona. So may or may not be the most, may or not be the best places to invest, but supposedly these are place, best places to have a family. Honolulu is out there at 34. But if you're like me, you want to know where the worst places are because you like to tease those places. Some of those are like Detroit, Cleveland, Memphis, Birmingham, San Bernardino, California, Newark, Flatville, Shreveport, Jackson, Mississippi, and Augusta, Georgia. Billionaire Sam Zell, which is a real estate guru out there, he says, I've stayed away from Bitcoin at all costs. Sam, whose net worth is estimated $5.8 billion, reiterated that his anti-Bitcoin stance Thursday in an interview with CC. And I quote, he says, I basically stayed away from Bitcoin at all costs. Uh, I think that's when it's all said and done. Any kind of a currency without the backing of a government is in some fashion unlikely to work. I think Warren Buffett or his other buddy Munger said they would never invest in like Apple and tech companies, but they eventually took up a big holding. I'm not a big fan of, actually, I do like how these cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Ethereum in for the most part, because they're more of the blue chip type of cryptos are here to stay, but I don't invest with it, especially now with all the turmoil with all like these big companies, which are like the Actus brokerages are going under. And I think I actually have a long video on this like crypto winter. It'll probably be released next week. YouTube got angry at us because we didn't use free music. So we have to rework that. We'll probably get it out later on this week for you guys on the Rich Uncle channel. Wall Street Journal reports that bidding wars overheated the home buyer market. Now they're coming for renters. So bidding wars have been long staple of house, housing markets where buyers compete with offers above the seller listings price. Now with the home buyer pricing going back in the favor of the buyers, now that they're also saying that an increased number of white collar professionals, some of who recently sold houses are reluctant to buy because of record high home prices, rising mortgage rates, which ultimately is affordability. They're renting instead. And this is driving up the demands. So it's good if you're a landlord on the right side of this. The median U.S. asking rent price passed to $2,000 for the first time in May. If there's one thing I'm going to, if I would like to gamble on something is like rents don't really go down for long periods of time. Now, what's a long period of time? I don't know, like one to three years or greater, a big range. But this is true. In my opinion, this is not something that really goes down. John Burns, real estate 
consulting and talking about demand shifting from owning to renting. I still rent folks. It's cool. I'm not a loser because I don't own my own house. I invest it instead and they make a lot more at the end of the day. Paying rent. Yes, it is technically like throwing money down the tube. But if you have your money sitting in your home equity doing nothing, that is even worse. You got to look at it holistically. So they broke down the different, the cost of owning versus renting single family homes. And a little over a year ago, the monthly cost of owning and renting were virtually identical. And that's what we call in the engineering world, the crossover pipe. We love the crossover. Hey, Lloyd. Uh, yeah. Now let me know when you want to speak to the LA group to do it, especially if it's virtual. I like that virtual stuff so I can not travel and be away and let's sleep on my own bed. That was the thing. I was traveling a lot for work when I did work and this sucks. Some people get off on getting all these freaking flyer points and having high status and like, all right, that's cool, but each their own. I just don't think that's all. I think that's a little overrated. Again, each their own. I don't want to offend anybody out there, but that's just not my thing. I prefer to stay at home. So they're also saying Raleigh, Durham, Nashville, Denver, Tampa, and Phoenix have all witnessed the biggest disparity in increasing home ownership versus rental costs. Again, you guys can take a look at all these these charts on the YouTube channel if you really want to geek out on the uh, on the numbers. Matthew says it's a long term game. Don't worry about the short-term GDP numbers. I guess while we are talking, like GDP numbers, last quarter, like a recession is defined as two quarters in a row where you have negative GDP growth. Last quarter was negative 1.5, which sounds not the greatest. And typically we're trekking up on 2 to 3% is what the Fed would like. But the year prior, 2020, when like we hit 20 something percent. So yeah, yeah, relative speaking, that was a horrible quarter. But to me, it's just like a lot of pent up demand flushing through the system. And I would actually expect 20% is ridiculous. It's also ridiculous to shut down a country for about a quarter or two. But I just think overall, you can look at it from like a one-year trend line. It's still being pretty dang good. And I don't know where this all this doom and gloom is going. I'm cautious, don't get me wrong, and buying off good debt to risk coverage ratios. But I don't know. I just think people really like doom and gloom. Fear porn. I heard of that. Friend used that one. Like, fear porn. I like that. Sorry, Junior. Sorry you're offended. I try not to offend people. So Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard says that record-breaking home prices and rents likely to cool as interest rates climb. Thank you, Harvard, for pointing out something super obvious. But if this is new to you guys, so what's happening is the interest rates climb because, again, the Fed is using interest rates to cool off inflation, which is pretty high right now. The interest rates is important because that impacts how much people can borrow or, in other words, affordability. So people can't afford that mortgage that they, they couldn't afford in the first place. They sure can't afford it now with interest rates going up, which is why we don't know if there's less, more supply, less demand. We don't know, but the prices are composite of that. And we do know is like the prices aren't going up at the same race that it once was in the past year or two. And nor would I say that those two increases from the last few years was sustainable. Again, and this is where a lot of people are like, oh my God, it's slowing growth. The world is over. And it's saying, oh, it's still growing, guys. Like, just because it's not going up 20% or rents aren't going up 20%, like in 2021, doesn't mean the world's coming to an end. 
So with interest rates rising on top of the double-digit home prices increases, the income and savings needing to qualify for a home loan have skyrocketed, which is really wordy way of saying that affordability is taking a hitting. Potential home buyers saw monthly mortgage payments on the median price U.S. home rise by more than $600 over the past year. And that's on the monthly payments. So $600 for most people is a big chunk for sure. Uh, last takeaway from this article, and these Joint Center for Housing Studies, if you guys are always looking for good stuff to read, that's not just like your Yahoo Finance and CC stuff. These are actually pretty good, insightful articles. Sometimes they don't tell us anything, and that's why I try and throw some of this stuff out. But they're saying uh, renters were particularly burned in the first year of the pandemic. Job and income losses early in the pandemic increased affordability challenges for millions of households who are already struggling. And this is talking about how the pandemic wasn't really fair, right? The higher end, the people in the B plus A class housing lived, worked from home, they ordered Uber Eats, and they continue to work at their computers, where the people who are on the lower end, your class C, class B housing, your renters, your workforce housing, or your workforce that live in workforce housing are the, the grunt workers out there. And sometimes their jobs was cut off because of the pandemic shutdown. John Burns reports that in the first three weeks of May, 30-year mortgages hovered around 5.25 and eased just above 5% by month end as for sale demand weekend single family rentals outperform. These are these are be good for you guys to take a look at. Again, we post that at simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor. John Burn. Yeah, these things are kind of meaty to go over in the video in the podcast version. So we'll skip ahead to a real page. Uh, they're talking about US apartment market showing no signs of slowing down yet. This is where I'd like to separate like the residential housing world, which is based on comparable sales, which is based on not investor sentiment, but just regular average people who need a house to live in. If affordability interest rates are a big thing to them, whereas this is more on the commercial side, not seeing a quite slowdown yet. In fact, we're actually as of right now in July 2020. Two, I would say that we are still in a micro bubble where we're in a buyer's market. You're probably wondering, what the heck is Lane saying? It's a buyer's market? Yes, because a lot of the institutions, the guys who really move the markets that are buying up big apartments and commercial assets, they pulled out about a month ago and just did nothing and just waited to see the situation, which greatly takes out a lot of the demand and the supply demand. Dynamic, therefore, there's more a little more supply than demand out there than there is normally, which is creates a buyer's market. So there's a little bit of a buying opportunity right now. And but that's typical, right? Like when things are uncertain and people are what do we do here? That's the time to be buying. Of course, every deal is is pretty typical or every deal is individual. And I'm just speaking in generalities, but That's why I think if you're out there looking for more of these commercial larger deals that institutions might be looking after like a 200 or 500 units, there might be an opportunity before those bigger players come back and they'll come back in because they have to buy. And this should make people sick to their stomach. These large institutions and REITs, they get most of their money when they deploy capital. So they got to come back in to pay for their own salaries at some point, which I would probably say... Maybe next year is kind of when this little micro bubble will close up 
or next month when this micro bubble will close up and it gets to normal. So markets with the steepest replacement rents as of May, le- re- reading off from the top, Miami, New York, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Orlando, San Diego, West Palm Beach, Nashville, Seattle, Newark, New Jersey. Among individual metro areas, Florida remains home to some of the largest rent increases. Among the 50 size metro areas, the smallest increases generally came in the Midwest and the Northeast. No surprise, because who wants to live there? Sorry, Junior, if you're offended by that. Just joking. He identified himself as the canary in the coal mine offended person. But Midwest and Northeast, nobody wants to live there apparently anymore because they're all moving away because like maybe it's too cold. Whatever it is, that's what the numbers shows. Most of the people are moving down to the South, the Sunbelt states. Multi-housing news, out-of-state rental applications rose 42% during the pandemic. This is the TransUnion, which means that people are moving out of state. Texas had the largest increase in new residents between 2020 and 2021 with more than 310,000 residents, while New York saw the highest decrease, losing about the same. More people were leaving California, the Rust Belt, and Northeast, and heading to the Sun Belt and Rocky Mountain regions. Wow, didn't I say that last time? The top 10 multifamily markets by sales volume in 2021. Just reading them off from the top to the bottom. Dallas, Fort Worth, Atlanta, Phoenix, Houston, Denver, Miami, Washington, D.C., Orlando, Tampa, Petersburg, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Raleigh. Now, I w- I just want to point out just because there's a lot of like sales volume doesn't mean really mean too much because like some of these are much larger markets than others. And just because things are being transacted there doesn't, to me, doesn't really mean anything. But I think it's just like for people looking for anomalies in the data, this would be a one of those to put on your radar. But out of these 10, none of these really surprise me. These are, you always see these ones up there. Now, top multifamily markets for construction activity. So these are the, where you're going to see the most units come online. And at first gut reaction, you would think that this might be a bad, I don't know. From one point of view, you could think of this as a bad idea because if you have an apartment in say Dallas, which is number one, that's more competition coming online. But on the other hand, it's why the heck are these super smart development companies building stuff over there in the first place if they're in the demand? Take it for what you guys want. But here's the list. And from the most to the least, Dallas, Austin, Phoenix, Washington, D.C., Miami, New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Seattle, Denver. And so the same same information, but from RealPage, most apartments under construction, Phoenix, Austin, New York, Dallas, Washington, D.C., New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Seattle, Denver. That's pretty much the same thing. That's what meta-analysis is. You compare two or more articles, which we just did. So commercial property executives talking about five states that are corporate relocation magnets. So what's making these people relocate there? Maybe there's a more influx of headquarters. I know a lot of them are going to Texas every day. But yeah, number one, Texas. Number two, Florida. Number three, Arizona. No surprise there. Just to name a few. So Texas is Tesla, Digital Realty, Oracle, A, Copy with Packard. We have a lot of engineers in our group. So I think most of them have worked for AECOM at some point in their life. Florida, companies like Blockchain.com, Block Tower Capital, the Walt Disney Company, Skywater technologies and in Arizona companies like Sendoso move and align technology. I don't know what these companies are, but I know Arizona has a lot of the growth on the semiconductor front. 
we don't want those the people out of the east to take our they took our lunch with the whole semiconductors back in the day but now we're gonna try and beat them at their own game or that was once our game with the semiconductors out there with intel if you guys are all interested in that just like YouTube to see Intel and then that articles, the, those videos will come up. But other states are Georgia and Tennessee. Like 1.25 battery giga factory set to Sunnyvale, California. And I put this one in here just to, to note that tech companies aren't completely abandoning all their office space, folks. It, it is coming back. Who knows if it's going to be the same as before, but I think companies are starting to realize that the need for a physical presence is a real PC business. There's an article on, is it time to prepare for a recession? So they're saying the economies are close to entering recession, perhaps as soon as this year to avoid taking too much of a financial hit. Americans will need to prepare. What are they, okay, what am they saying here? They're saying that there's some economic headwinds with war in Ukraine, COVID lockdowns in China, reply resulting in supply shocks that boosted inflation and slow growth. A key part of the inflation problem is linked to the massive 3.9 trillion in fiscal stimulus interjected into the economy in 2020 and 2021. That's why everybody's stock market stuff blew up the last couple of years and why you're starting to give it back now. And they're saying for the average investor, it's hard to find a place to hide. Recessions are usually accompanied by outright bear markets with stocks falling by well over 20%. And with now Fed now hiking rates aggressively, the bond market is no safe haven. Equities and bond markets are riskier than usual. What can Americans do is easy business. One answer may be do to nothing and just try to write out the volatility without trying to time the market. That was probably written by some financial planner. It says, oh, it goes up and down. You might as well just stay where you're at and I can keep my assets under management fee with you. They also say consumers might consider coming back on non-essential spending, especially avoiding spurging on big ticket items. Yeah, a crappy article. Here's my take off the top of my head. I would like, I would, but is this the right term? Monetize my HELOCs. If you guys have HELOCs, I would get that into cash and put it into like life insurance. That way you can control it. So when, if they ever do pull those home equity line of credits, you're not at the bank's mercy to arbitrarily just randomly do that stuff. I would also say this is why you invest in cash flow, right? The people who got hurt back in 2007 and eight were the idiots who were betting on appreciation. And when things went down, they couldn't pay their debt service. So what, that's what it comes down to. It's not a loan to value thing. It's a debt to service coverage ratio. And especially with like your guys' homes, that doesn't make any money. It's not how much equity or loan to value you have. It's What's your debt service coverage ratio? Well, you're probably saying you're being a smart ass lane. My house doesn't have any debt service coverage ratio. It doesn't make any money. That's exactly why you shouldn't have it in the first place. In my opinion, unless your net worth is two to three times greater than what your house is worth. If you have a $500,000 house, I don't think you should buy a house until your net worth is one, 1.5 at least. That's why they call me rich uncle and I'm like a cranky uncle in a way. And that's, you can hear more of that on that YouTube channel. Fannie Mae's article here. They're talking about rapidly rising rates, persistent inflation, and further soft economic outlook. What the last article was saying, they're saying expectations that the full year 2022 real GDP growth will be at a reduced rate of 1.3%. So positive, but they're reducing their initial guidance a little less than 1%. But that's technically not a recession, right? Recession is two negative quarters in a row. But here's the thing, right? Like when... Nobody knows when this recession is going to end. No, 
I actually, quite frankly, think we're in a relative recession right now. But the hard thing is you can't time the market. Like when this thing goes, unless you're in playing in the game, and the hard thing with real estate is you, you can't just come back in. You can't time the market. So as soon as you think it's coming back, it's, you've already lost it already. Uh, wealthmanagement.com, they're talking about rising interest rates aren't stopping apartment investors from cutting deals. Fed plans to continue to rise interest rates to help stamp inflation. And that's changing the math for apartment investors looking to make deals. Other factors, rising rents are still going up and uh, are offsetting the interest rates. One thing that I'll say that's not in here that's hurting cash flow now is because the property values are going up, the property taxes are going up and that can take a huge chunk out of, not a huge chunk, but like 10 to 20% of like your cash flow on the property taxes. In the end, that's good because your property is going up in value and you don't get to realize that until the end. But that's that's the big thing there. Oh, I'm glad you did this, man, because I'm going to troll you right here. So this is probably one of the biggest mistakes I see investors make is that you have maybe $200,000 of equity in your house. And you think of it in terms of like how most people think of it, where you're borrowing at like 2.7%, which is a great interest rate. But that's not how sophisticated investors think of things. They're really, yeah, interest rate is important, but they don't care about interest rate. They care about your net worth. What's happened to your net worth? So the important thing is to like, what can you do with that $200,000 equity and put it elsewhere? You could probably buy like three other or four other houses with that. And I think the biggest thing is if you can get into the value add game, I think there's a lot of like lower net worth investors doing that buy rent rehab burst strategy. But for a lot of credit investors, that's just a waste of time, especially if you make multiple six figures doing that type of stuff. And you're working with little pulled on contractors who just are like one day from stealing your money. Take a look at what I would say is look at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ROE, return on equity, download the spreadsheet and just follow the numbers, right? After a certain time, when your equity goes up, your return on equity goes down. And it after time, it, you're probably making like less than double digits. At that point, you need to do one or three things. Do a heat, buy more assets with that heat, or do a refinance, buy more assets with that, or sell the asset and divvy that up into more and more assets. Essentially, re-leveraging yourself back up to that 80% loan to value that you started and just keeping that value high. What do I know? I know I have 8,000 properties, but Fortune Magazine says the cooling housing market enters into the great deceleration. Inventory levels are rising again. I think the nice thing, the cool thing about here is it's kind of cyclical too, which you can see definitely inventory coming down. Cooling housing prices enters the trade, the deceleration. So they always come up with these like little marketable terms to sell headlines, the great deceleration. Or the other one I heard was, I can't even remember it. It's kind of stuff that's all, it's simple folks, right? Like inflation is high because they, pumped a lot of fake money into the economy the last two or three years because of the pandemic. Who knows what else they're hiding, but that's what happened. And like the stock market is high because of that. And because they pumped a lot of this money in there, inflation is high. So inflation, they need to keep that between two to 3%. And that's what the Fed is mandated to do so that they can keep the highs relatively moderate. And but more importantly, keep the lows not as low. And which is why they are increasing the interest rates to get some dry powder there now. But they don't want to do it too much to crater the economy. And which, so they have to look at things like unemployment because it is a, it's a, it's a sensitive game, right? It's, it's complicated. 
First, the Federal Reserve have moved into inflation-fighting mode, says Fortune. The overheated 2022 spring market has pushed us over the edge into housing. Economist calls an overvalued housing market. Yeah, I would probably say things are a little bit overheated. Here's my here's my crystal balls. I don't really care. Like to me, it's like NBA Finals. I don't care if the Golden State Warriors win. And I don't know who else who did they play. I guess the Heat. I think they played the Heat. I don't care if the Lakers aren't playing. But that's how I look at the residential housing market. Like I don't really give a where it goes. But if I were to guess, I think that there will be some softening. But Prices might go down 5%, but I don't think if you're a person out there, you can time it unless you're like, your real, you're like a realtor. It's just going to keep going up and up after this. We're in a fiat currency world. It's all fake money at this point. And as long as the Fed can keep inflation under control, I mean, it can keep going like this forever. Zillow says that the most popular markets of early 2022 pricey suburbs top list were Woodenville, Washington, Burke, Virginia. Highlands Ranch, West Chase, Florida, which is Tampa, Seattle, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Los Angeles, San Luis, and Denver. I don't know if that's useful for people. That's, I guess those are great places to live. I don't know if they're great places to invest. RealPage reports neighborhood level resident retention levels. So retention levels are when tenants are turned over, not turned over, but they renew their contracts to stay. And it could be for a variety of reasons, but see me like if they are staying as renters, this may be a sign that they're not able to step up to home ownership or they're not economically mobile. Obviously, the best retention rates, as they're saying here, is class B and C because those are your less economically mobile people. Like we had, I would say, a couple of nicer class B plus type of assets and a lot of the people there, they jump ship because interest rates were really low a couple of years ago and they moved up, which kind of sucked for us. And it's kind of like if you have a good employee and then they leave you because they're good, it makes you sad. It's the same feeling that, but that's the class B and the C are the type of residents that do stay. Some save all their lives, actually. Some markets with the best retention, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, Miami, San Diego, Riverside, Boston. And wealthmanagement.com in this article, I'll just summarize. Basically, class A apartments are going up in price higher where the class C, the lower end stuff isn't as much. And this is obvious why, right? Because the higher end stuff, they're a little bit less price sensitive where the class C stuff, people, they are more value driven. And also I think Coming out of the pandemic, as I said earlier in the show, people who are class A type of tenants, they had a much easier time through the pandemic economically, where a lot of the class C workforce housing folks had a tough time. And we had some folks, sometimes we'll get the, we'll work with the church and they'll come in and they'll sit down with the people and help them do job applications and stuff like that, or the people from like the mall will come in and put up flyers. And it's just, I don't know, they, it's just, it's tough. Like I say, money doesn't make, it's not everything, but it sure makes life a lot easier. Multi-housing news reports that New York says no to a good cause eviction bill. So this is a landmark type of article. And this, I would say, look at the bills like this to set precedence. And so basically what happened is New York State ended its legislative session without taking action on the proposed good cause eviction bill, a decision that was cheered by multifamily industry representatives who say it amounts 
to another form of rent control and will hinder rather than create affordable housing. And so basically, it's it's not rent control happening, the opposite of that. And this kind of bounces back and forth. We I think the last landmark type of article we had that maybe happened several months ago in California where they had home zoned areas, they, they allow multifamily zone areas, which it's essentially a, a democratic Republican argument where, you know, like the affluent areas don't want multifamily in their backyard, but the prices get so expensive, like expensive, what are you going to do? So these states are like New York and California and Oregon and Washington are typically more, they deal with the stuff first, right? Like they, they're on the forefront and they, in a way, set precedence for the states to come after. But if you're somebody who's against rent control, this was a good one for you guys. I just think that this is eventually things typically go in the favor of rent control and that type of stuff. New York to transform distressed hotels into affordable housing. This law allows for Class B hotels to use certificates of occupancy to operate as residential spaces, add more flexible rules for converting underutilized hotel space into affordable housing. Type any questions you guys have into the chat, but if you guys haven't joined our group, you can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And if you guys are an accredited investor and really tired of just screwing around with all these non-accredited investors out there and you want to find a close-knit private group, Check out our family office, Ahana Mastermind, which is our inner circle um, at simplepassacastro.com slash journey. Pretty much everybody's accredited these days. It's actually 90 members now. Uh, this is outdated, but we, uh, you just have to come to the events and talk to the other full members. I would say it's hard for me to go over it. We'll catch you guys. Hopefully, oh, I think Junior was offended earlier. He made amends. I should probably watch myself and my jokes before we need to meet in person, which I think we will. I think I saw your name on the list for Los Angeles. So we will meet in person and then we can offend each other. But if not, no questions. We will see you guys. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for your comments. And then Matthew, no hard feelings. You get that VA loan. That's good for you. That's why you do all that service. But yeah, Matt says, I'm offended by people being... Thanks for leaving those comments. It makes me not quiver walking around watching myself behind my back. Someone's going to shank me or something. But we'll see you guys next time. And stay calm. Cash flow on. The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk.